1: morning and welcome. Happy hump day. You are listening to Bat Talk with Sharona. I'm your host. My name is Sharona. As always, I thank you for tuning in. We are back. We are on a biweekly schedule for the time being. I'm very excited to to welcome a new guest today. Ed Kratz is going to be joining me to um, to give us another scouting report on DeMarco Murray and Daniel Kelly. Uh, we'll talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and, and their quarterback decision. And a rather surprising and historic decision to start Carson Wentz. That will be in the, the last segment of the show. He'll be calling in at noon his time, 11 o'clock my time, to to have that discussion. Uh, but first up, we're going to um, to play uh, our uh, series, Chopping It Up, with, with Matt, where I sit down with my good friend Matt Wood, and we talk about a variety of topics. And last night, we sat down to talk about what was um, a rather shocking thing to me uh the closure of i t t tech the i t t technical institutes I was not aware of all of the issues surrounding uh that institution it's uh to me it's a big story it's a big thing it's a big deal in, in education and education is um it's kind of a hot topic these days with um a lot of discussion about the crushing student debt that that so many experience and uh, the breakdown of our educational institute so Matt and I sat down and we talked about that last night but first some housekeeping uh, i want to thank all of the guests who donated their time to come on this show i want to send out an apology to once again to coach daniel Seahorn and to my good friend Chell's at Chell's ride on on twitter for um, the technical issues that we had last week. We have started recording via Skype and Skype updated its application and uh, the recording application that we had been using updated as as well and Skype was um, experiencing some issues. We if you use Blog Talk Radio, you're aware that the, the Skype interface with BTR is still not currently working because of that new update. And so uh, because of those updates, we just ran into um, some technical issues with the audio, unfortunately, on uh, on those two interviews. But it was a great discussion. I, I hope to get Coach Daniel Seahorn back on the show. He's a great college football resource. You should follow him. Uh, We talked about college football polls and how um, ludicrous they are um, until about week four into the season. And as it turned out, when the games actually started, what a great weekend, by the way, right, of of college football. When the games actually started, a lot of teams in in that top 10, top 15 range uh, struggled and several of them lost. So there was quite a bit of shakeup in those polls. This week, uh, well, hopefully we can get him back on, and we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about that on, on Friday's show a little bit. Um, I, I, I want to um, get Chels back on the show. She and I had a great discussion about Cam Newton and about Colin Kaepernick, and we started our discussion, which we're still going to have, regarding Nate Parker, the uh, Birth of a Nation uh, director and a guy who um, has a uh, very concerning uh, past history with a rape allegation when he was in college, and how you know how we talk about that, and how we reconcile that with with a project with an artistic endeavor that is important. You know, the, the Nat Turner story is important, and so hopefully we can get Chels back on to. Um, to To talk about that, uh, it's it's an important discussion. Um, you know, certainly in light of what went down yesterday. If, if as I was watching my timeline with Ezekiel Elliott and the uh, decision, it's not really surprising the decision not to to pursue charges against him, not to prosecute those charges against him. How we talk about these things always important um and of course you you've got the situation with Fox News uh settling the Gretchen Carlson lawsuit and there were some other settlements as well with some other employees those were not disclosed at least not to my knowledge we'll have to check on that and some rather surprising news Greta Van Susteren going off the air with um her her show which was one of the few in my opinion one of the few good things that that Fox news um, actually did probably a good, she was, it sounded like she was going to leave anyway, which I think is a good decision by her. I'm sure that she'll land somewhere relatively soon. It sounds like there were details in her contract. That's going to prevent her from doing anything in the immediate future. But I look forward to seeing where she lands and then what happens with, with her, with her program, with her shows. It, you know, it's interesting. And I want to say one thing. I was watching my timeline while I was working and uh, came across the timeline. Someone mentioned that uh, the Fox News head, Roger Ailes, he received a buyout. I believe it was like $40 million, something like that, and the settlement to Gretchen Carlson was $20 million. And the point was made that, you know, even in situations like this, women get, you know, half the pay or whatever. And, and it's, a, it's a good point. But I don't want people to undersell how significant the settlement is, because it is a significant, significant settlement, not just in terms of monetary amount, which it is, but also in the fact that uh, Fox News was forced to publicly apologize that is practically i mean it's unprecedented it's practically unheard of most times when you have a settlement of this magnitude um there's a lot of denial going on you know we didn't do anything wrong this is um this is a business decision we're going to we're going to you know settle this um for for business reasons but but that's not what happened here. It um there was a public apology. There's there was actually an acknowledgment of wrongdoing and I I can't undersell how important that is that we acknowledge that these things are wrong and that we um recognize and understand the damage that that misogyny and things like this um do and how it hinders women in in employment and, and the lasting impact it has on their lives. Um so it it's very significant and that settlement is historically going to be very, very important. Um there's no question in my mind about that. So um, I had to. I just had to, to mention that because, um, you know, I, it was astounding to me to sit and watch that and watch how that went down. And, you know, I think a lot of it was because, of two reasons. First of all, um, the bravery uh, of these women and coming forward, and, and the solidarity that that you're seeing. Because um, a lot of women, you know, once Gretchen Carlson came forward um it empowered more women to come forward with their stories and to share their stories and you know if um a, a united uh a, a united group is always more powerful and, and and stronger than a divided group and it it was really it was touching to see, and heartwarming, and encouraging to see how um, other women rallied around her and supported her. And I think that that changed the conversation. It changed everything about that situation. So, you know, it was it, it's important. And um, and I, I just had to point out how important that was. So, all right. So, some programming notes before we get to chopping it up. Uh, tonight I'm going for two our last Google Hangout. Google is doing away with its Hangouts. Um although you'll still be able to technically they're, what they're doing is moving everything to YouTube Live, which if you're familiar with Hangouts and play the those Hangouts played on on Google Plus, as well as um, were broadcast on the YouTube on your YouTube channel, and the videos were uploaded to your YouTube channel. So now you're going to be doing everything through YouTube Live, and so um, from a technical standpoint, things aren't really going to change much. You're just not going to have that Google Hangout interface. Um, So going for two with Zach and Sharona. Last night, last show on Google Hangouts. Maybe Zach and I will do some Facebook Live um, stuff. But at least for the interim future, we're going to be uh, hosting those over on YouTube Live. And so I'll be tweeting out a link to my YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Watch the show tonight. We'll do a wrap-up of our going for two fantasy draft. We'll talk a little bit about... Uh, for the first time in a long time I'm going to be attending in person attending a Titans game this weekend. I'm going to the season opener between the Tennessee Titans and the Minnesota Vikings. I'm very excited about that. Although I have to say as I was getting ready to packing and getting ready for that, I became super annoyed again over this whole clear bag thing which I had kind of forgotten because I hadn't attend as a fan. I had not attended Um, any sporting events, and and so I'm going to, I've got to try to find mine, for one, and then it's just a super annoying thing, and that's really kind of part of the reason why I quit doing that, Um, the fan experience for me, it changed the fan experience for me because of having to carry this clear plastic bag and have your tampons and everything shining out there for all the world to see. And it doesn't hold enough. And it's just annoying, you know, it's just super annoying. Um, but that aside, I'm, I'm excited to um, to see Zach again and to attend a game. So well, we may be doing some Facebook Lives over the weekend. We'll, I'm sure shenanigans will go down, and um, we'll be posting some, some fun stuff about that. So be looking for that. Um, and tune in tonight, going for two with Zach and Sharona. And then tomorrow, I'm going to sit down with my buddies, Ted, Todd, and Lee from Baseball Bar- Beer and Barbecue. That show airs every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we're going to sit down on tomorrow around noon, my time and record that show. And I'll be talking about NFL kickoff weekend and some other things. We'll probably talk some Tennessee Vols as well. And then after that, I'm going to sit down with my friend, Andy Carlson from purple for the wind. And we're going to record a segment where we preview the Titans versus the Vikings game. I'm very excited about that. Um, and we're going to actually play that segment. Um, On Friday's show, which is a big show. And um, I'm happy to have Jeff Lloyd, who is a great guy, great football resource. He uh, has followed the Jets for a long time and is a fantasy football guy. We'll have him on to talk about the Jets and the Titans recent acquisition of Jason Morrow. Um, By the way, I'm writing about that. More on that in a little bit. And also, Lisa London is going to be joining me with your weekly fantasy football fix. And so um, that's a big show. I'm very excited about Friday. Uh, We'll be tweeting out details of that. It will air as as usual at 10 o'clock a.m. Central Time. And stay tuned for some big news about the Zone Blitz, the Tuesday night show. What had been the Tuesday night webcast show, Google Hangout, that I uh, co-hosted along with um, Kate, Cleveland Kate, Kate Aher, uh, who covers the Cleveland Browns for NFL Female, and Sonia Greenfield, who covers the Detroit Lions for NFL Female with the, um, the changes with Google Hangouts. We're going to mix that thing up a little bit and redo it. So we're, we're working on some some kind of fun, smaller, shorter stuff for you guys, so stay tuned in for some details uh, for that, and real quick, um, before we play that interview with Matt Wood, also check out, uh, I'm very proud and honored to be a part of Inside the Pylon this season, where um, I'll be doing a a lot of different things, first of all, I'm going to be keeping a diary of my journey into daily fantasy football, daily fantasy sports. Um, it's something if you've been listening to to the shows that I've been doing for the past several years, it's something that I've been threatening to do, promising to do, but I haven't yet done it, or at least I hadn't until this season. but I'm going to be doing it this season i my first diary entry went up about a week and a half ago, I suppose my week one selections that was kind of fun, and we'll of course we'll be doing that every week throughout the season. And then uh, a couple of days ago, uh my first article, um, uh, non fantasy article uh was was posted regarding the Titans, their um their run game, the acquisition of Ben Jones during the off season, which I think is going to be huge for not just their run game, but but for their offensive offense in general. So check that out. Exotic smash mouth, a love story. That was fun to write. And as I mentioned, I'm working on a very short article right now on Jason Morrow, who is a tight end. The Titans just recently picked up. Hopefully that will drop uh maybe this afternoon, maybe this evening, um or, or sometime tomorrow. We'll be tweeting out a link to that. All right, so that's it for all the, the preview stuff. We'll take a quick break when we come back. My chit chat with Matt Woods. So stay tuned in. You are listening to Bat Talk with Sharona. All right, welcome back to now Matt's gonna to have to help me count here. Are we on five or six, Matt? Oh, I'm
2: starting to lose count now. Yeah, me too. I think, I think it's five or six, yeah. Let's go with that. Five or
1: six, yeah. Close enough.
3: <laughs> Ballpark
1: close enough. Um it's been a great series, chopping it up with Matt. And um this week we're gonna talk about uh their Matt always is so great to tip me off about some um some great stuff that's going on, and big it had not come across my timeline, which i'm kind of surprised what is kind of really big news really um news that is going to affect um second yeah secondary education and um education in general and it it's going to be an interesting story, really, to watch. I wasn't, I didn't know that some of the the background stuff was going on. But we'll go ahead and and let Matt kind of introduce us to that. But it's the story about ITT Tech, ITT Tech shutting down, and sounds like there had been some shenanigans. And Matt actually went to school there, so um, we'll get a little bit of background from him about um, ITT Tech, and it sounds like they had um what was at one time a good relationship with the GI Bill and the military.
2: Well, um, you know so a little bit of background. You know, I got out of the military. I didn't really I mean I had a skill from the military, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to you know mm-hmm. I wanted to learn programming and do that and that wasn't technically a job in the military at that time. Um so uh I first called area colleges. Now this was in Michigan, so I Called Aquinas in Central Michigan and Grand Valley State and uh, Michigan State. I called them all, <laughs> and uh, they they were pretty much like sorry, we don't uh, at that time we don't really offer what you're looking for um, for non traditional students. Essentially, their their night programs were were more for MBAs or you know masters programs than right. than uh, you know starting a bachelor's degree. Um, so I, I had few options, and the only school in my area that offered programming was ITT Tech, and I go there. And <clears throat> um, I had to fill out one of them. Uh, what are they, Rexlers or something? I don't know. It's like thirteen questions, and somehow I passed it. Well, not somehow, but I, I passed their little their little gate, whatever gate that is. It's got to be pretty low because <laughs> I mean it was really simple stuff.
3: Okay.
2: Um, but yeah, the GI Bill. Um, it covers 36 months of of, of, of education. Now, if you 30, did it, the tr-
1: 36 uh, months. That's yes. three years. Yeah. Okay. So
2: the the, the hypothetical was if you took college regularly, um, how you usually do it should it should pay for your full degree.
3: Okay. Uh, and, and that was
2: only tuition. It didn't right. it didn't cover books, but they did. Uh, now this is the post 9/11 GI Bill, but they did send a uh, monthly. Uh, a monthly like stipend, like a rent check, you know, type. I, I call it the right, rent check. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 People no. Yeah. Pay, their, pay yeah.
2: their rent. Um, <clears throat> uh, but, uh, yeah. So, um, so I doubled up on classes the first few quarters, so I wouldn't have to go, you know, a full year on student loans. So my student loans are actually relatively small compared to the, the folks that are there now or who I graduated with. And my experience there was mostly positive. I learned my skill. There was a couple of times, um, some instructors seemed very light on the material.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
2: I'm not sure they really knew what they were doing. Um, but I did learn. I did have some great instructor uh, instructors that uh, I still communicate with today that work in their field because they generally wanted to help foster a, um, a programming community. Um, and obviously, I got a I got a great gig out of it. Um, I kind of had to do it on my own. I I didn't go through ITT testing. Um, but overall, generally positive experience. Now, um, a lot of folks weren't so lucky. Um, there was definitely uh, cracks in the foundation when when, when I started going there.
1: You talking uh, about with ITT? Yes. Okay.
2: So my, like the first quarter, because it's 11-week quarters, and it's a week off between each uh, quarter, um, <clears throat> uh, is a bunch of introductory classes. I mean, and they, they start like... They go middle, you know, and up. Um, so it's a lot of remediation. And, I mean, I understand it to a point because, you know, it's not just kids, you know, 18 just getting out of high school. I mean, these are 40-year-old people trying to uh, get new skills to, you know, uh, you know, enhance their spot in the workforce. Um, <clears throat> so that was, like, a lot of remediation. So that, you know, I didn't really see anything. But the the second quarter we had this writing class. Um, and, uh, I wrote the paper cause I learned in seventh grade how to write a paper <laughs> and, right. uh, you know, and I mean, these people obviously had to have as well. And, and by the way, these aren't like, maybe there were some 40 year olds in there, but most of those folks were about my age in their mid twenties. Okay. Um, and uh, I handed mine in, and the instructor wanted to use it as an example of how to write a paper. So I was like, sure. I mean, she changed the name and everything. Right. But uh, but then she showed examples of other people's writings, and it was just atrocious. And I'm not talking content. I'm talking about formatting. There would be right. people who yeah. ended sentences with three periods, all lowercase. Um, there was one where someone... <laughs> Did their? I mean, they're, the, some of these papers are supposed to be pages long. They they got their point across in a paragraph and um, things of that nature. I mean, and and some a lot of these students were criminal justice students. Now I don't know if uh, they need that to be a police officer or a paralegal. I'm not sure exactly what the criminal justice degree got. Obviously, something criminal justice. I right don't, right. You know, um, <clears throat> I'm like, oh man, you guys are going to be writing a lot of stuff. <laughs> to brush the stuff up on this stuff and oh <laughs> so there was that and then seeing them the next quarter you know oh yeah i passed that class and man you know maybe they turned their stuff around and got it but there were some people i'm like um <laughs> how did you how did you make it through to the next round um and, and there are allegations of people just being passed because hey if they fail you know that could stop funding and things
1: Yeah. I mean, I do wonder what, you know, what kind of um, reporting system this Washington Post article doesn't go into, um, you know, that that great of detail about what um, it's a for-profit educational institute. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we think of our... um, Of other, you know, educational institutions, you know, like just throwing one out there, you know, University of Memphis and University of Tennessee and, you know, Ohio State and all of that. But I mean, they well, have to turn a profit too. I mean, they, well,
2: Ohio State's not a real college; it's just a
1: right.
2: it's a shithole in a shithole town.
1: Yeah. Well, I
2: mean, by the way, I'm a Michigan fan, so I'm okay. Gonna <laughs>
1: say that. <laughs> That's so funny. But but you know what I mean. I mean, it's not like yeah. these educational institutes aren't out here <laughs> fundraising and raising money and doing this and doing that and you know. Oh, oh yeah, I mean,
2: and I'm not, you know, I mean. Uh, state schools, your traditional colleges, yeah, they, you know, you can be not-for-profit and turn a profit, you know? (laughs) Um, uh, I mean, they have to make revenue and...
1: Well, I mean, technically, uh, although I think that might have actually, for a long, long time, the NFL is a not- not quote-unquote not-for-profit organization. I mean, yeah. The money's supposed to
2: be funneled back into the... Right. Yeah. Um,
1: So, how many people were typically in your classes?
2: So... Um, now mind you, you know, people from different backgrounds and different walks of life, you know, maybe they start going there, having the best intentions, maybe they can't do it, maybe something else gets in the way. So I saw a lot of people when I started, and there weren't very very many people left when I graduated. Um, I would say after about the third quarter, that's that's the big drop off, because that's usually when you really start getting into meat and potatoes of your degree program and um yeah, so that that's when it starts dropping off uh and there's you know conspiracy theories and stuff like, oh, it's after that if you you know if you take those classes, then you have to actually pay it back, pay back the money um if if you do it before that, you know you're fine, which I doubt is completely true
3: <laughs> right,
2: um, but you know, and so they're like, oh, they make all these harder classes so they can get that money and um no, I think you know i I think every school has some sort of uh academic hazing. you know you have the people who want for sure wanna learn this stuff, and people who just think it's gonna be cool to do and aren't really into it
1: there's levels to it there's no doubt, and you know you have to things get you know progressively harder and and all of that i mean that's um sort of the the foundation. <laughs> Of what we do, you know, in terms of of what our educational system is here, and you know, it's different in other countries, but for oh, here, yeah. you know, that's oh, kind of the deal.
2: Oh yeah, and then plus, you know, it's like this is a for-profit school. These, you know, these degrees are handed out, you know, at a cost of how much a doctor <laughs> has to pay to go to school. You know, um, these are ninety to a hundred thousand dollar degrees. Um, which I'm sure at a state school it's considerably less. Um,
1: <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, it's interesting how much state tuition has skyrocketed. And, and, of course, now you've got programs, you know, here in Tennessee, the lottery kicks in. Yeah. And, and parents are able now to purchase, you know, um, uh, kind of like a life insurance fund you know it's an uh, educational fund and certainly there are different states do those things different yeah. ways but they're um you know an educate a, a degree anymore of course there's a big debate right now regarding student loans and student loan debt which is a very real thing it's crushing a large number of, um, of people who have come saddled with it. So it's, it's an ongoing uh, discussion right now.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you have, you know, the, you know, your parents telling you, Hey, go to school. It's the only way you're going to get a job It you know, and at that time that was probably true. Um, but I mean, that kind of, you know, took away from all the vocational and, and technical training. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, somebody doesn't want to be in, you know, a businessman or a salesperson or, you know, developer or anything. I mean, maybe they just want to fix cars. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, so they can go to community college and, and get those uh, certifications and everything. Um, and, and you can still make a lot of money. Uh, you know, you can be a carpenter and things. And, and I I'm, I think, you know, like that kind of thinking is starting to come back around. Like, oh, hey, there's other jobs other than going to an office all day, that I could yeah. still make a decent living doing. Um,
1: oh, I definitely think that that's <clears throat> coming around. And um, for a long, long time, I'll have to tell this story. Um, for, you know, for a long, long time, I thought that that was uh, the way to go to um, to gear our, and and I'm not sure that I've changed my mind, but I just haven't thought about it in, in a few years. But I thought that the way to go was to... Um, Ha- start you know with a a broad base but then funnel kids more into specialized areas so, you know with a with an internship included um you know like auto mechanics like plumbing like you know various other trades because um i felt like our educational system was not adequately preparing kids for um for the real world
2: yeah and I remember, and I mean, if I had it in high school, you probably had it in high school, <laughs> because um, I think I was probably on the last lines of, um, I guess, previous generation type schooling. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, you would have kids, uh, what was it? I'd actually, they were actually freshmen, you know, they were doing half day of high school, and then they would go to the uh, vocational school yes. to trade their Yes. Their um,
1: yes, that was definitely um, a thing.
2: Yeah, and I'm not. I'm, I don't want to say they completely got rid of that. I haven't obviously been to high school in like 15 years, but <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean, I think I thought that was a a good thing. But at the same time, when I was a teenager, you know, what the hell do I know except everything because I'm a teenager, right?
3: Uh,
2: <laughs> and I'm like going, oh man, throwing their life away. <laughs> you know, you
3: right. know,
2: they, they could go to college and. You know, get this—you know—awesome, high-paying job. You know, I guess we all drink the Kool-Aid. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, you know, look how much it—you know—look how much welders pay and plumbers. I mean, mm-hmm. heck, if something goes, uh, yeah, to put in your house, you're looking electricians. at electricians. You know, you're looking at those invoices going, "Geez, what does it cost?"
1: <laughs> electricians, H H Vats, and. Mm. You know, um, yeah, I mean, what difference is it to, and and I hate to say that it's all a racket, but in a way, you know, it is, Mm -hmm. and, you know, getting into how bloated these colleges and uh, higher educational institutions have Mm -hmm. become, you know, in terms of administration and and all of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the money involved, and, you know, you know what they say, power corrupts. Um, absolutely, and you know, there's definitely a lot of graph I think involved in in this. But when you think about, you know, what what which one is better—a four-year liberal arts degree, where you know all you can do basically is you know blog or say, "Would you like fries with that?" or <laughs> a specialized degree where you can fix you know plumbing or electrical, and you know people will pay you to do that. I mean, they're not paying. Ask any blogger out here, the writing journalism and, and writing is, it's a tough business.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, It's you know, it it's like, you know, that kind of depends on the individual. It's like what is best. But, um, I mean, you, you see, you saw it, you know, with the recession, you had all these kids going to law school because, hey, everybody needs a lawyer type thing and then the recession happened and everybody's like hey we don't we don't need as much lawyers
1: <laughs> well the legal field has definitely undergone a um a lot of changes
3: mm-hmm. <clears throat>
1: excuse me <clears throat> excuse me and um you know there's there's a glut there's a glut of lawyers there was already a glut of lawyers in the state of Tennessee when um you know when they when they accredited two more law schools, which was absolutely ridiculous, but again, it's all a racket.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't really speak to, you know, um, everybody's education and how they come out and things, Um, and like, at least with ITT Tech, um, you know, one of their selling points, um, and I want to say two things here, one of their selling points is uh, 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 you know, we'll help you find a job. Um, It depends, if whatever the bare minimum was to meet that requirement without saying false advertising, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's probably what they did. Um, You know, they kind of help you write a resume and they say, Hey, there's a job fair coming up. Um And, you know, it depends, and it depends on the location and things like that. And sometimes.
1: Overall, you know, they're not very good at getting you jobs. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, an instructor may, you know, go like, Hey guys, like I think you're all Cool or you know really talented or whatever. So give me your resumes. I'll I'll hand them out to some folks. But that's the instructor taking it upon themselves to right. help their students.
1: You know, and it, then, it, it's, uh, it's interesting. I was uh, and I'm looking at the article right now. I yeah I just hadn't given it any thought. But you know there were um, according to the Washington Post there were more than eight thousand employees of of this mm-hmm. institution. There were Around thirty-five thousand students, and they had one hundred and thirty-seven campuses, you know, yep. across the across the United States, and that's a lot of displacement in terms of employees and um, you know students and resources.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I really uh, feel bad for for the students there, um, in the sense of, hey, you know, this place obviously is the place that can fit my need for a, what I want to do and how it fits my schedule. <clears throat> um, and, and, and all that jazz. And, you know, they may know the risk they're taking in terms of like their student loan debt or may not, but they want to better themselves. They want to try to provide a better mm-hmm. future for um, either themselves or their family. And, you know, you kind of get, you know, let's say you're like two and a half years in, you're trying to get your bachelor's now, you know, now it's like, Hey, we're closed. Sorry. You know, you have to try to find a place for those credits. And it even says right there in the fine print in their commercials, credits are unlikely to transfer. Hmm. I mean, mean, you're sitting there going, well, shoot, now I have to kind of try to find something else that's similar to this. You know, hopefully University of Phoenix has it or DeVry or what are the other ones? Because they're obviously going to that school because they need that type of flexibility.
1: Right. Yeah, it's really sad. And I was curious as to um to what kind of transfer you know, transferabilities there was. Talking with Matt Wood, by the way, this is um our weekly segment, chopping it up. And tonight we're talking about uh, we're playing this obviously for the Wednesday podcast. We're talking about the shutdown of ITT tech and um what that means for our educational um institutions and, and, and for unfortunately for the, the students who are involved there. It sounded like, you know, speaking of graph and it sounded like they had been under investigation. If I knew that I had forgotten it. Um the the US Department of Education said that um they Put them on basically on probation, (laughs) you know. Last year because they were unable to account for money and um, uh, their accreditation was in jeopardy because of um, some shenanigans that they uh, that the government felt like they were um, you know they were doing. But I mean, do you feel like I I mean this is an unfair question, but uh, did in terms of the quality of your education? And I know that you're a guy who's going to educate yourself, but in terms of the quality of your education, how did you feel about it?
2: Um, For the most part, um, positive. But like I said, it was the instructors, you know, these just weren't, save for maybe two or three that were just kind of, you only had them once and you never saw them again, probably due to like uh, us as a class, giving a poor review. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But, you know, all the instructors that we had were great. Um, you probably had them more more than uh had them for more than one type of class. Um, at least for the programming part, like the gen ed stuff that that can be whoever. Right. But uh <clears throat> yeah, so they they were really uh good folks. Um but I can't say that for every degree program and right. every area. Um I well, mean, you
1: can't even I, say that in so called non profit educational institutions, right. and I'll never forget um i ended I dropped this class, but I'll never forget I signed up for um a night class. It was maybe it was an accounting class I don't remember what kind of class it was and um and I'm not trying to knock anybody or or knock anything here. I will just say this. I could not it was someone who was not a native um of this country, and I could not understand it mm-hmm. um the 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 communication barrier was it was insurmountable, and I wasn't gonna be able to learn anything because I couldn't and so I ended up dropping the class and then I had another. Um, you know that was one instance that comes to mind, and then another instance you know that that comes to mind was just simply a class where the instructor was terrible mm-hmm. and um I ha- ended up having to i believe it was a chemistry class, mm-hmm. some sort of science class and now my father was a chemist and um and actually taught it
3: mm-hmm. um
1: I ended up having to retake that class because it was so the the instructor was so poor that um then when i retook it i aced it i got an a in the class and i was always a good student i think it was probably i think i got a d in it and um that was the first bad grade i had ever gotten and i cried like for days i cried you know um and i've been and i waited too long you know i was proud and i thought i can do this i can do this you know this isn't and so i waited too long to drop it and it was just a situation where i had to stick it out and you know and i ended up retaking it and that was fine but you know there's um, you're only as good as the the instructional environment. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: the, the two instances, the guys there. I I don't know. I don't know how they got the job. Maybe they 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 interview well. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, we had to really go out of our way to you know kind of teach ourselves what the material was um, in order to do well in the class. And we in in every after every quarter, you know, you get these uh, um, review things, which I don't know why they made us fill them out, because it doesn't seem like they went anywhere. Um, But I mean, you know, there was some stuff about database design, and it just didn't none of it was right, because some of the things you're like, I've kind of learned this before in other classes, just as a secondary thing. And I'm like, this just doesn't seem right. This seems way off. And. Um, so yeah, there were, those were like the two instances, but everything else, the, the instructors, um, you know, really kind of went out of their way for some of us. There was one instructor for one programming class where the dude would not help. I was like, Hey, yeah. I'm having trouble understanding this. He's like, well, just put a, put a debugger on it and step through. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what the hell you're. <laughs> and so I actually ended up going on a forum going, Hey, I know it's against the rules, for homework and stuff. I'm not asking anybody to do it for me, but this is what I got. I know it's wrong. Where am I? Um, where am I going wrong? And one of the people in that forum, um, you know, really broke it down, made me understand and, and everything. And I got it, but yeah, that was, that was probably one of the only times I actually had to reach out um, externally, uh, you know, to get proper instruction.
1: Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I don't mean to interrupt. And by the way, I'm talking with Matt Woods, and uh, we're about to wrap up our weekly segment, chopping it up, and we're talking about the the closure of ITT Technical Institute. And one thing I was curious about, and um, it's yeah, interesting. I'm so glad to have you on. What perception um, have you experienced in um, you know, out in the quote unquote real world? Um, with this type of degree and as you when when you tell people i've got this you know i, I have this degree from itt what do you experience not just from employers but from you know like the general public um well, a lot of people don't
2: know um but um so i really haven't experienced anything from the general public um i really haven't experienced anything from employers either um because uh, yeah,
1: it's so weird. You know, because
2: the interviews, and yeah. then I go to work, and I mean, I would assume if I was doing something bad, they would have fired me. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but I think we I,
1: can assume that, Matt. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, uh, <clears throat> but there, I mean, I've I've read online, and yeah, you know, the internet's so stupid in terms oh, yeah. of the, you know, people will say one thing, and then people parrot it, and you don't even know what's right or, uh, you know, whatever. But there there's there are stories of people saying that they're in HR and if they see IT, IT tech on their resume they they put them in the note pile, uh, and obviously there is a lot of people who take offense to that going hey you yeah. know that guy could have Harvard on his thing and be a complete fucking idiot yeah well, absolutely. <laughs> like, <there's,
1: laughs> Yes. You know
2: you you do have a barrier here it's like I was you know, wondering
1: if there was at least anecdotal you know evidence There there of is that.
2: some stigma to it because like you know how I was saying earlier how it it seemed perceived that uh you know some of these students were just passed along uh you know either to keep the money flowing or maybe they just didn't care I I don't know I mean these teachers made um at least in this area 1500 um for per quarter you know, you got $1,500 for 11 weeks of instruction. Um, so maybe they just didn't care. Um, <clears throat> but uh, my instructors did, and they, they had day jobs, so they, they probably didn't care about the okay. the pay so much. Um, but, yeah, uh, they, there's definitely that stigma of like, oh, okay, so you, you, you pass them along. Obviously, they're not learning anything, but you keep passing them along. They got their degree. They go to these places, you know, maybe they – interview and get hired on and within a week they find out hey they're they're an idiot okay and maybe the same place just keeps going back to the same well and you know eventually they go oh man everybody from ITT Tech sucks Mm -hmm. I don't know I've never experienced it yet um I hope I never have to (laughs) you know Um, it's just
1: kind of a weird concept because um and, and I'm not saying this is good but it's definitely a thing you know in that when when you do go to um a what is commonly referred to as like a football mill, like, you know, Tennessee or Ohio State, like you mentioned, or any of the other schools with, you know, Kentucky with their basketball program or what have you, Um, you know, kind of, because fans kind of self-identify like that, if that makes any sense. And so, you know, it's like, it's almost a, well, it is kind of a networking, and so I I, I just wondered how that was, um, how that was when you went to you know an, an institution like that. Do you maintain contact with anybody that you went to school oh, yeah. with?
2: Oh yeah, oh um, The people I graduated with, we, we're we're still great friends.
1: Oh, that's I mean, we awesome. Helped,
2: we helped each other out and and things like that. Um, we still come to each other for advice um, in terms of our our things, and we all have jobs. Um, well, as far as I know, they're, they're good paying. I don't know.
3: <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, every, um, everybody, uh, that I graduate with, I, I'm pretty much still in contact with. Um, and we, we pretty much talk on pretty much our, we speak daily. It, I mean, well, not, I shouldn't say speak, but like chat and stuff, right. Google Hangouts and everything. I mean, today, the, the, actually the past week and a half, um, because there was articles here and there about, Hey, Maybe IT tech is closing. Who knows? This is happening. That's so we've been we've been kind of discussing it, and um, you know, there, there's definitely you know the the, the consensus is uh, fuck IT tech, which I can agree. I mean, you know, you did predatory practices, and you know, you can you know you can be pissed off about <clears throat> that, and obviously um, those students that are currently there could possibly have their loans forgiven. Um, especially even if they graduated within 120 days of the school closing. But obviously we we graduated a uh, a few years ago, so um, obviously we we will not be privy to (laughs) to such benefits. Um, And you have to think about this too, you know, is like, you know, that school shuts down, those uh, loans are forgiven by the government. But, you know, it's like those loans come from taxpayer money. And while, you know, it may be considered the right thing to do to forgive those loans, because it's 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 not it wasn't anything in their control. They didn't like rise up and overthrow the CEO of the college and <laughs> demand the right. school to shut down. You know, um, <clears throat> but you gotta think. I mean, you know, it was saying f- over five hundred million dollars annually. ITT Tech received in taxpayer money.
3: Crazy.
2: And they said like, hey, um, you know, it, it. The first email I got from ITT Tech, I, and I don't know. I, I think it's because I'm an alumni, so they I get all their news. And they're like, hey, uh, we're we're no longer accepting new students uh, um, next quarter. Hmm. So whoever is currently enrolled will still be able to go to school, but we're not taking any new students. Right. And then came the report of all the instructors getting uh, paid on their off week because they get paid like every two weeks, I guess. <clears throat> so on their off week, apparently everybody got paid plus a little extra uh, in terms of their PTO or anything that they had. Um, and I was like, well, they don't <laughs> they don't pay that out for nothing.
1: And,
2: and then today, obviously, the the hammer got
1: big hammer, off. big hammer, very <clears throat> interesting stuff. Matt, it's always such a pleasure to tell everybody out there where where they can find you, and we'll have to find something, you know, something. Um, uh, we still haven't uh, circled back around. There's an interesting thing about 5:38 that I'd kind of like to discuss. We'll find something to talk about next week. Oh yeah,
2: I'm always game.
1: So where where can everybody find you oh. out there?
2: Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Woodstock W00DSTOK. <laughs>
1: All right, welcome back. That was my weekly segment with my good friend Matt Wood, chopping it up with um with Matt. It's always fun to talk to him. Um we'll have to find something uh good to talk about next week. I've let Matt kind of pick the the topics for the last couple of weeks and he's done a great job. I pr- I promised him though that for next week I would I would pick one. So we'll see what we come up with. There was an interesting Article um, that was posted in Slack, the inside the pylon Slack, that talked about ESPN and 538. I'd really like to talk about that. I'm gonna have to try and talk Matt, Matt into it. He didn't seem all that enthused when I sent it to him. I have to pull an executive command or something. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention um, in in our blitz of things that that we're going to be doing uh, over the next couple of days that tomorrow morning. Uh, I was supposed to be on with my good friends at Talkback Live, 730 Yahoo Sports. I was supposed to be on this morning to talk some Titans, but we had a little bit of uh, some scheduling issues. So I'll be on in the morning, I think probably around 810, which was when I was originally scheduled for this morning. If that changes, I'll let you know. But tune in for that. We um, will be talking about the Titans. We'll talk about NFL kickoff. Always fun to talk to them. Um, we had a Christmas tree discussion last time. That was that was a funny thing that um, that that we ran into. Uh, and and obviously, I'm looking forward to sitting down with Andy Carlson tomorrow and uh, recording a segment for his great uh, Purple for the Win podcast. Big news for him now an ESPN uh, show. So I'm excited about that. And again, we'll be playing that. Friday morning on this podcast, we're going to preview Titans versus Vikings. I'm very excited about that game. I I love the the Minnesota Vikings and um, interested to get uh, Andy's take on their quarterback situation. And I'm such a big fan of Mike Zimmer and really, you know, was disappointed. I wanted the Titans to hire him. Uh, when they um, after they had they fired Mike Munchak and they had him in town and man that's the one that got away they let him get away and um, they turned around and hired Ken Wisenhunt, a hire that turned out to be um, not the best one in, in the world and of course now they have a new head coach Mike Malarkey and um, I bet Andy and I will talk about that too. you know, I like Mike Mularkey more than a lot of people do, and I understand the um the with thinking that that was a great hire and and I understand the the you know the n f l is a results oriented league, and there have not been a lot of results with Mike Mularkey, but I just don't think that he was ever put in a good position to to be successful and um, combined with their new hire of John Robinson, another hire, frankly, I was not all that thrilled about, um, but I'm happy so far to be proven wrong, I think. I I like what what he has done. I I did not particularly like them. I like that they traded out of that number one spot. I did not like them trading back up into the top ten to draft an offensive tackle, although I like the player a lot. So we'll see how that turns out, but I think so far I have to give positive grades to to John Robinson and and the job that he has done. Uh, so we'll see how that um, you know how how that works out for them. Uh, but it, but anyway, I'm I'm excited to sit down with Andy and and have that discussion. And of course, it's been a while since I've talked to um, to Lee and Ted and uh, the guys at at Beer Barbecue and. Um, I'm sure that we'll talk some Tennessee volunteers as well. Some of those guys are located in Knoxville, and we, um, we typically do talk about college football, and uh, there's a, certainly a lot to talk about. I can't wait again. I can't wait to get Daniel Seahorn. Hopefully he, he'll uh, forgive me for two um, recording snafus with um, the situation with Skype and and the recording app, the issues that we had there. I've got a new app. It's so far working like a charm. So I'm happy about that, and um, again, apologies to him and Chels both for for the issue that we ran into next week. And then, of course, on Friday we'll have Jeff Lloyd on the show to talk talk about the Jets. Jeff is also a, a new guest, a first time guest, so I'm happy to have him. We will welcome back Lisa London. Lisa has been so uh, gracious to donate her time to come on the show and talk about a lot of different things for her, her Miami Dolphins. We talk about fantasy football a lot. So I'm sure we'll be focusing mostly on fantasy football with the start of the season and, you know, so many, um, wow, so many things, uh, changes going on. So I'm looking forward to that. And, and then again, we'll, we'll replay that, um, that podcast segment with, with Andy Carlson on that show as well. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow morning and, of course, to tonight with um, Zach, my buddy Zach, our weekly Going for Two show. And, again, if you haven't checked out uh, my work at Inside the Pylon, please give it a read. Uh, My first uh, submission was what is going to be first in a series of a diary for, um, for them where I chronicle my journey into daily fantasy sports, It's something that I've been wanting to do, that I've been intending to do, and I'm finally getting around to it. So I decided to chronicle that for you guys. Um, We'll revisit that at the end of the season, see how well I did. You can feel free to critique me, by the way. I don't don't mind critiquing me all you want. I say it with my chest. I post my fantasy teams. I'm pretty open about the decisions that I make in terms of, of fantasy football. So, you know, if you have any thoughts about it, um, you can hit me up out there in Twitter Sphere at Sports by Sharona. And if you want to be a guest on the show, hit me up at Sports by Sharona out there on Twitter. Always happy to welcome new guests to talk about uh, different teams and different topics. Kind of a regular staple. We talk about fantasy football every week here. We haven't gotten into um, betting. Uh, on this show in a while that's when um, when I was writing for NGSE sports that was something that um, that I covered every week talked about betting lines and what have you we may have to add um, a segment about that every week where we talk about lines and uh, for you degenerate gamblers out there we can't we can't leave you out so we'll see if we can incorporate that. Right now we're on a bi-weekly schedule. Wednesday is typically the the one safe bet in terms of catching us live on the air. Uh this week we're doing a Friday show. We're going to mix in some Saturday shows for for you um people out there who who work during the week and and it's difficult for you to come on or or listen to the show during the day. So we'll we'll be doing some some Saturday shows as well. Uh, in our next and final segment, we're going to be welcoming, welcoming Ed Kratz, who covers the Philadelphia Eagles, for, um, for the local news there. Uh, I, I'm so happy to, to welcome him to the show. We've been chatting about doing this. And, and I'm thankful that we were able to make it happen. We'll talk about Demarco Murray, get a scouting report on Demarco Murray and Daniel Kelly. Talk about the Eagles' off season, their trades, the um, the quarterback decision, which is historical. Ed's written about that, so happy to get his his thoughts on on that. And I, I want to ask him, you know, about the run game, uh, run game expectations and. And also um, you know, what to look for from from their wide receiving core for uh Jordan Matthews, who I've drafted in a couple of leagues. Uh, took him over the weekend and of course the the Titans trading Doriel Green Beckham. I finally got it right. Dorial Green Beckham to the Eagles and how he's doing. He sent me a video. We tweeted that out uh onto the uh, our Twitter timeline if you want to check that out. So we'll get his thoughts on that and more uh here in in a few minutes. And um and again, we are redoing our Tuesday night webcast for NFL Female. You can catch my work there as well, by the way. And um, we're going to be going to a shorter format, Uh prob- not Google Hangouts is so um, that option is is being taken away from us in a sense. We probably won't be broadcasting live on YouTube on YouTube Tube Live, although we've talked about maybe doing some Facebook Live stuff. We're going to be posting some video content. You can um, find information about that either on my uh, Twitter page at sports by Sharona or Sonia Greenfield the NFL female official Twitter page Uh, we'll be posting information about that so so look for that Uh, we're getting ready to take another quick break and then when we come back we'll uh, be talking about the Eagles and DeMarco Murray and a lot of other great things so stay tuned in you're listening to Bat talk with Sharona All right. Welcome back. You're listening to Bat Talk with Sharona. I'm your host. My name is Sharona, and we're joined now by Ed Kratz. I hope I said his last name correctly. He can correct me if I'm wrong. You guys know that I'm terrible about names, but I'm so excited to have him and to get his thoughts on the Eagles, to get a scouting report on DeMarco Murray and Daniel Kelly, and of course, see how DGB is doing with the Eagles. So, Ed, welcome, and thanks for joining me.
0: Hey, uh, bravo, Sharani. You got my last name right.
1: Oh, great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not easy to say, and you nailed it. So,
1: Well, Almost. I I appreciate that, and I'm so happy that um, that I did that correctly. So just briefly tell everybody who you are and who you write for and how long you've been covering the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Uh, yeah, well, this is my uh, sixth year uh, on the beat with Philadelphia Eagles. I work for a company called Coffins Media. We're actually a chain of several newspapers in, in the Philadelphia area, uh, three of them in the Philly area, and then there's a few out in Pittsburgh and stuff, but this is my sixth year, um, so I saw kind of the last two years of the, the Andy Reid disaster, yeah. and then the, the three years of Chip Kelly, and now here we are again with another head coach, uh, Doug Peterson.
1: Yeah, I want to ask you about that. We're going to talk about the Chip Kelly experiment. Well, let's just go ahead and start with that. So um, interesting times with the Eagles and, and Chip Kelly and, um, and, and that situation. Of course, DeMarco Murray not having a very good season with the Eagles, and I want to get your thoughts on him. But I want to ask you um, as, as part of that, and I know that because I follow Philly sports and have really followed Philly sports, since the days when um, when they picked up a, a former Titan by the name of Javon Curse. But, you know, it's, it's DeMarco Murray not having a great season. And there was some indication, of course, he was unhappy, but there was a lot of dissension, allegedly, in the locker room over Chip Kelly and his methods and 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 how that was going down. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, yeah, it's all true. Uh, you know, you say allegedly, but yeah, after after Chip uh, got fired, you know, you, a lot of the players came out and just kind of said how, you know, he was pretty aloof. He never really tried to build any relationships inside that locker room with the players, and and you know that even extended into the uh, into the offices uh, inside their training headquarters, where, you know, he really never got to know any of the employees. He, he he wouldn't say hi in the hallways. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and he was an, uh, an authoritarian. He, it was his way, or it was the highway. And, you know, when you talk about Demarco Murray, uh, you know, when you talked to Demarco last year when he was here, when you talked to him, he's like, you know, I'm a running back that needs to get touches. I need to. I get stronger yeah. as the game goes mm-hmm. on. And, and you know, Chip just he, he never really let Demarco get into a flow yeah. within the offense. He insisted on shuttling in Ryan Matthews and giving him some snaps when he was healthy, and then Kenyon Barner. Uh, so, you know, I, to me, I think Murray was very unhappy with uh, not only that, but I don't think he was really a fit in the zone read kind of offense that Chip ran, and uh, he made no concessions to putting a quarterback under center. Chip would tell you, yeah, well, we put our quarterback under center and we hand off, but he, he did that very rarely. And Demarcus is the kind of guy that likes to uh, operate in the backfield by himself and get the ball mm-hmm. and then read where he's going to make his cut. Uh, In the zone scheme, it was kind of strung out along the line, and then he'd have to try to pick Mm -hmm. a hole. And he just never really got comfortable in in Chip's offense. And, you know, he talked to Chip, and, uh, you know, Chip just never relented and just continued to do things his way. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Murray was very unhappy. So uh, Mm -hmm. I think he wanted out, even when they brought Peterson in and and Doug said that, you know, I'd love to have DeMarco back. But I just think it was an opportunity – for the Eagles to get rid of uh, a contract that, you know, might have been a little uh, higher right. than they would have liked. And it was, it was negotiated by Chip because he had right. the general manager duties yeah. for that one season. Uh, so I think it was a good opportunity for them to get rid of him and, and recoup the draft pick uh, for Murray back in, what, what was that, the spring, I guess, when they traded him away.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but I want to start with the authoritarian aspect of what you just said because I think one and from the outside looking in, one of the things that struck me about Chip Kelly and his methods was how regimented the, he ha, how much he um was like big brother, how regimented the diet yeah. and the sleep and all the monitors and they measured the pee and all of that stuff and I was like <laughs> And if I were those guys' agents, I would be extremely unhappy.
3: Yeah,
0: right. And, you know, he had them drinking the crazy concoctions, you know, the, yeah. the milkshakes and the, you know, all that ridiculous stuff. And, you know, what? You know, uh, some players like Malcolm Jenkins, who played, a, you know, a league high, I think it was, uh, you know, over 1,000 snaps last year, he swore by that stuff. Yeah. You know, so there were guys that, that did like it, and there were a lot more guys that didn't really like it, so – uh, yeah. they, the Eagles did keep some of those protocols in place. and You know, they did away with the sleep monitors and, uh, you know, that kind of thing and filling out questionnaires after practice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, they did away with that. But they kept some of that sports science stuff in place. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the problem with him when you say authoritarian was he said, oh, I have an open-door policy. Come in anytime if you have any, you know, doubts or, you, you know, you want to mm-hmm. question anything. But the players admitted after he left that, They were kind of afraid to go in because they thought if they expressed any displeasure of any kind that they would be gone. You know, you look at Deshaun McCoy, who they traded away, the organization's all-time leading rusher. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson. He just cut him. He didn't even get anything back for Deshaun Jackson. So, uh, you know, you just kind of look at some of the moves that he made and it made players kind of feel like they were on eggshells. And even though Chip said, hey, come on in and see me anytime, they didn't really feel like they could do that.
1: Yeah. The second aspect of what you just said um, was the the touches thing with DeMarco Murray. And if you talk to or listen to a lot of running backs, I would even go so far as to say the overwhelming majority of running backs. And they will tell you that volume, that's where it's at. If you're not getting touches, it's really hard to get into – any sort of rhythm and the Titans run game definitely suffered from that under, under Ken Wisenhunt. So I'm excited to see how, um, you know, what they do because they are going to be splitting carries and, and, you know, and whatnot. The, the thing about, um, about the Murray situation there and it, with the Eagles that, and, and we'll move on to some other things after this, but the thing that concerns me is that there definitely seemed to be a lack of effort. And I had not, maybe I hadn't paid attention, but I had noticed that before. How much of a concern do you think Titans fans should have over that?
3: Well, I
0: I don't think they should have any concerns. I think if they keep DeMarco happy, then he'll give 100%. You look at how the Cowboys used him two years ago when he led Mm -hmm. the league in rushing. He had over 1,800 yards running and 13 touchdowns over 400 yards receiving. I mean, they just leaned on him so hard. Yeah. And, and I think the Titans would be wise to, to kind of do that, at least initially as the season begins.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, get
0: him involved. Keep him involved. And I know you have Derek Henry sitting there who looks mm-hmm. like a real talented back through the preseason. But, you know, mm-hmm. kind of bring him along slowly. And then, you know, as you build through the season, then maybe you kind of back off the Marco a little bit. Kind of keep him fresh for any sort of a, 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 you know a championship push that you're making there in your division. Uh, toward later in the year, and then you start working Henry in there. But if I'm Ken Wisenhunt, I'm, I'm coming right out of the shooting and I'm, I'm running to, to Marco Murray as, as many times as I can. I'm going to get him involved early and often. And, and, and you know, maybe bring Henry in for a series here, a series there. It might not make Derek Henry happy, but you know what? Look, kid, you're a rookie. You know, Murray's been in this league for years. He's been an NFL rushing leader. Uh, you know, I'm riding, I'm riding that horse right now. We'll, we'll get you your time. But right now, this is the marker's time. That's how I would approach it. Whether he does not, we'll see.
1: It, you know, it's it's so funny that you say that. And I had uh, covered the Titans for a while, and then for for the past, during the, the Wizards Hunt era, I sort of stepped back and covered more of the NFL in general. So I returned more to a, a Titans-focused coverage over the off season and watching the 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 games, watching film of the games and looking at the stats and, 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 and what have you, the, how they use the running backs was, was very intriguing to me. And I, and I agree with you to, to, a to a point, I think that uh, easing Derrick Henry, because the, the preseason is a different animal from, from the regular season. Mm-hmm. Although I think you can learn some things from it, but I think easing Derrick Henry in does make a lot of sense. But I also think that, um, when you look at the body of work that he put up during the, the off season and, and during those preseason games, it's going to be very hard for them not to, um, be, you know, because he is such an incredible talent, and there were a lot of people, a lot of analysts of analysts who felt like his preseason was stronger than, than DeMarco Murray, but there's, there's a lot to like about both of them. And certainly uh, they'll both get their opportunities real quick. Daniel Kelly, uh, uh, rotational Dennis, Dennis, lineman. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, a rotational lineman that they acquired in that DGB trade. What are your thoughts on him?
0: Uh, you know, I, I'm a, i am uh... a. I really like Dennis Kelly. You know, off the field, great guy in the locker room. Very mm-hmm. approachable, even though he's you know this monster guy, six eight, three hundred and thirty <laughs> pounds. You know, but you but you don't feel intimidated in any way whatsoever when you talk to him. Super guy, um, like I said, very approachable. So I, you know, I'm a big fan of his. He's always available, and I also like how he, he's kind of a survivor in, in this league. You know, mm-hmm. he never got invited, uh, never got invited to the NFL Combine when he came out of Purdue, and yet. You know, Andy Reid drafted him in the fifth round, and he played under Andy Reid for two years. Made 13 starts under you know in one of those two years that Andy was here with him, uh, and then they got rid of Andy Reid and they brought in Chip Kelly and Dennis Kelly still survived. He was still on the mm-hmm. roster, uh, still a valuable part of you know the
3: reserves.
0: You know, he was a very key reserve. And then when mm-hmm. Doug took over, Doug Peterson, Dennis was still here. So. Uh, You know, they, of course, traded him. But, you know, I just think the guy has the ability to play in this league. I I, I don't think it's – you don't want to have him play 16 games or, you know, 12 games. I think he gets a little exposed uh, the longer he plays. I think the coordinators can kind of figure out some weaknesses with him. But, you know, I think in short bursts, if you need him to come in, if there's an in-game injury or a lineman goes down for a game or two, he can give you quality time on that line. I think his best position – uh, and even though he's 6'8", I think his best position is at guard. Uh, some people will say that's way too big for a guard, but I think he plays yeah. pretty well in, in tight spaces, uh, you know, and I think he's a very good run blocker from that guard mm-hmm. spot. I think where he kind of falls down a little bit is when he, they put him at tackle when he has to get his feet moving and right. uh, deal with some, some edge rushers. You know, he gets a little exposed on the, on the outside. But, um, again, I think he's a guy that has been in this league for – uh, I think this is five years now, maybe going on his sixth because he can play and because he can give mm-hmm. uh you know give a team valuable minutes uh or even a couple of games here and there if called upon and be successful,
1: yeah, those guys are so fun and easy to root for, and I agree with you uh and for you know for the titans, depth is a concern at so many spots for them, and um at, you know, people love DGB and his and the, you know, intangibles and that big P word, you know, the potential. Um mm-hmm. And we'll talk about him in a minute. But I and I know a lot of people did not like that trade. I liked the trade. Listen, DGB was in danger of being cut Um because he, you know, had shown um a lackadaisical, you know, approach to some things and uh conditioning being one of them and route running being the other and those are two pretty yeah. important things, you know, yeah. for um for for a young player in general and for a wide receiver in particular. And and they just had numbers, you know, at, at the position and they wanted to send a message to Justin Hunter and he got released as well. So uh, it's better to get something out of nothing. And, and so, you know, I liked that trade. And speaking of which, this is a great way to segue into um, the Eagles off season and all of their trades and get your, um, get your take on how, uh, how would you rate those and how effective do you think that's going to be?
0: Well, you know, I, I joke around all the time that, you know I hope Howie Roseman, the, you know, the GM here, has the unlimited minutes plan on his uh, whoever his cell provider <laughs> is because he really burns up the lines. Uh, I think I saw a stat today uh, tweeted out by a colleague of mine writes now for ESPN.com who who said that according to stats and info, whatever that is, uh, Howie Roseman or the Eagles, I should say in general, have made 35 trades since the 2010 season, which is more than double anybody wow. else. So, you know, nobody really does blockbusters even like Howie. You know, you look at, what, you mm-hmm. know, what he was able to do this past Saturday when he sent Sam Bradford, your starting quarterback, a mm-hmm. week before the season begins, and he ships his Crazy. starting quarterback to Minnesota, uh, mm-hmm. but in exchange for a number one pick next year yeah. and a conditional fourth-round pick that can get as high as a number two mm-hmm. if the Vikings win the Super Bowl. I don't think that'll happen. But, you know, that's a pick that in 2018 could even be a third-round pick if the Vikings get to the NFC Championship game this mm-hmm. year. So, to be able to get something like that for Sam Bradford, who's been in this league now for since 2010 and has never had a winning season.
3: Crazy. Kind of,
0: it is it, It's nuts. I mean, I, you know, even the players in the locker room are saying, like everybody's asking them, like, well, how do you change quarterbacks of the week? To go before the season and expect to be successful, and they're like, "Well, I don't know. We've never, I've never done it before. And <laughs> I don't know anybody that has. So, uh, yeah, definitely uncharted waters. I mean, that was the that was the big deal. But uh, you know, Bradford was a lame duck quarterback here. It was he was going to be here for one year. He was signed to a lot of money, thirty six million dollars over two years, this year and next year. So. Really, it saves them money against their salary cap. It gives them a the number one mm-hmm. back, which they had sent away to Cleveland to, yeah. to move up in the draft and get Carson Wentz. So, uh, you, you know, it's a it's a blockbuster for sure. And then, you know, I, I think, you know, you, when you see him trading Dennis Kelly to the Titans for Gloria uh, Green Beckham and then sending DeMarco Murray to the Titans, I mean, this guy just wheels and deals. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and today they announced and they confirmed the trade. They traded Eric Rowe. The, the cornerback who they drafted second over second last year in the second round, I should say, they traded him to the New England Patriots for a fourth round pick. So, I mean, you know, the, the ground never, the grass really never grows <laughs> uh, under his feet. That's for sure. You better and, and we'll rent. How...
1: Your, you better rent your place there in Philly if you're a, <laughs> an Eagle player, right? Exactly
0: right, right. You don't want to buy here in Philadelphia without a okay. roof charge. That's the fact. Yeah. But it's
1: we'll crazy see how it all pans out. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's. It, it, You shouldn't rate these things um, really immediately, although we, you know, we do. We media people do because that's what we do. But, you know, in the long run, I do think that the Eagles are going to win that Sam Bradford trade. And were the Vikings desperate, does that say more about Teddy Bridgewater's injury than what they're letting on? are certainly good questions, but it was a lot to give up for a guy. And I completely agree with your description of him. Who really, man, it's good to be Sam Bradford. I want to be Sam Bradford in my <laughs> next life.
3: Yeah, thats me and you both will we'll
0: be uh, Sam Bradford A and B because,
1: you know, that guy's made a ton of money, over $100
0: million now with this contract, and never had a winning season. Uh, he's been hurt for two of those years. Um, yeah. And that said, you know, Sharona, I I like Sam. You know, I, think I he do, was,
1: too. Yeah. He,
0: he was really comfortable. I, we really, the media really got to know him better here in Philadelphia in this second year than we did at any point last year when he got traded here. I think he's the kind of guy that takes a little while to warm up to a situation, so it'll be interesting how to see how he uh, integrates himself into that Minnesota locker room. Mm-hmm. But, but this year, through OTAs in May and the mini camp and then the training camp, you know, Sam was really, you know, he kind of joked around with the media a little bit seemed a heck of a lot more comfortable around us. And, and even talking to some players that he just seemed more comfortable in the locker room this year mm-hmm. uh, through the training camp. And then here they go and trade him <laughs> to another situation. Plus so, it's hard. You know, yeah, it's hard. But you know what? Don't feel sorry for him because he's made a lot of money, right?
1: Well, I know that. But you know, and and certainly money is, you know, it is what it is. But he's right. also taken a lot of grief. And you know, and it's hard not to um, not to let those things bother you. No matter how much money you're you're being paid, you're still human after right. all. And, um, you know, here he is about to learn a new offense. And North Turner, I'm sure he's done it before he can do it again, will scale things down and, and, and ease him in. Um, it, I'm sure that I'll be talking tomorrow with Andy Carlson about who's going to start. I expect Sean Hill is going to start that first game against the Probably. Titans. If he struggles greatly, they may pull him and stick Sam Bradford in. But, you know, you want to get him comfortable and, and and get him familiar with the system before you really throw him to the dogs. And so for that reason, I think that it, it will be Sean Hill. But, you know, um, that's kind of the nature of the beast, I suppose. And uh, you know, for a quarterback, learning multiple systems is, um, in a way, it's um, kind of um, – typical these days when you see all the change that's going on, you know, in the NFL and, and, and all of that. But let's talk about your quarterback situation. Carson Wentz explains to our listeners, the historical context in what the Eagles are doing.
0: Well, um, yeah, I kind of wrote about this earlier in the week. Yes, and, you did, you know, yes. yeah. What what they're doing is they're, they're, Carson Wentz is going to be only the second rookie quarterback in the Eagles organization to start a season-opening game. And the last time, the first person to do it was all the way back in 1939 when Davey O'Brien did it. And and there's an award named after Davey O'Brien, even though he struggled, you know, back in 1939 Mm -hmm. in his rookie season. He threw six touchdowns to, I think it was, 17 interceptions. So, uh, you know, the Eagles are really stepping out of their comfort zone by by Mm -hmm. starting a rookie in the season-opener season opener uh, at least historically speaking. Now, you know, it's been done through the league, of course. You know, we've seen it. Yeah. It seems to be happening more and more recently. Of course, Marcus yeah. Mariota, right in your backyard there, he
3: mm-hmm. he did
0: it last year. And, uh, you know, Jameis Winston did it in Tampa, and Andrew Luck did it, Robert Griffin III, who, you know, interestingly enough, will be mm-hmm. here in Philadelphia Sunday. Well, we're going to see the Dak open Prescott do
3: it. <laughs> yeah, and that,
0: that's right, Dak Prescott, was a fourth-round pick. Yeah. Um, and, and they're the only two keys that are going to start out of this draft class this yep. year, Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. And, and really Dak is starting because of an injury to Romo. Right. And, you know, of course, Carson started because of that crazy trade of Sam Bradford. So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know whether that speaks to how good or bad this draft class was for quarterbacks, but, you know, we're going to see. It's interesting to see Prescott and Wentz in the same NFC East together. Yes. And we'll, you know, they'll probably play each other twice unless Romo comes back or, you know, something happens to Wentz. So, uh, it's crazy, but the Eagles are doing it, and they're not backing away from it, and they're very confident. Wentz, you know, Doug Peterson spoke this morning about how he showed up to work today at 5:45 a.m. He peeked in the right. film room, and there was Carson Wentz already breaking down film of the Browns. So
3: well, that's, that's the kind of kid
0: he is. Yeah, he's a very bright kid. Never got a, you know, everybody says he never got to be in high school or college. 4-0 student his whole life. Uh, very smart kid, picks things up quickly, um, which is all well and good, but. You know, the speed of the game in the NFL mm-hmm. is going to be kind of an eye-opener for him, and I think it might take him some time to adjust to at least
1: that. I was shocked by the decision. How shocked were you in light of all the injury reports and concerns with him?
0: Uh, well, you know, I think, that, I think he was they, – they said they held him out of the preseason finale because he broke two ribs in the preseason opener back on August 11th, and they didn't want him to play in the final game three weeks later against the Jets because they said his rib wasn't one of the ribs, one of the two ribs, wasn't hundred percent healed. But I believe that he was healed. I think that the Eagles and Vikings had already opened up negotiations toward this deal of Bradford because Teddy Bridgewater got hurt on Tuesday going into that preseason finale. So I think the Eagles kind of wanted to protect Wentz. He's fully healthy. Um, that won't be an issue. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was still a surprise on one hand, but on the other hand, if you look at their other option, Chase Daniel, I think that would have gone over kind of like a lead balloon in the locker room
3: because
0: <laughs> I, and Chase is a great guy, but everybody yeah. knows that he's a backup and he's a bit mm-hmm. for a reason. Um, you know, he's yeah. been in the league since 2009. He's made two starts. He's thrown 80 passes.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the players know that stuff. So, you know, here you, yeah. players are disappointed. Bradford's gone. And now you're going to throw Chase Daniel in there. I mean, they, would have, they probably would have came out as flat as a pancake on Sunday. So here, your name's Wentz's starter. There's some juice that they send through the locker room. There's an electricity that will be in the crowd on Sunday against the Browns. And, you know, whether Wentz is ready or not, we're going to find out. But I, I think the Eagles had to make that move and start him on Sunday.
1: Yeah. I want to ask you about the wide outs and the running games. But before we get there, how real is the concern about the offensive line with the suspension of Lane Johnson? What are your thoughts on him? And um, it was interesting looking at, as I was preparing for this show, I always, I'm always i always intrigued by brother duos in the NFL. And I had forgotten about Jason Kels, who, of course, is the brother of um, a rather um, good tight end in the league.
0: Yeah. uh, Travis Kelsey in uh, Kansas City Um, is his brother. And, you know, Jason Kelsey has been the center on this team. You know, he started from the day one that he was drafted back in, uh, I guess it was 2011. He came in the fifth round out of Cincinnati. And, you know, he had to adjust the center. He went to college as a linebacker. Um, But, you know, he's kind of the guy that makes that line go. He's the anchor in the middle. He's the one that makes the protection calls. And, you know, him and Carson are going to have to be on the same page uh, with their protection calls against the Browns. But you mentioned Lane Johnson. It's kind of weird that, you know, this this information about him failing a drug test leaked out back, you know, almost a month ago. And, you know, Lane has been very open and talked to every reporter. He loves to talk to reporters. Um, And he said that he sent his B sample out and he hasn't had word from the NFL if that these sample's been tested. So mm-hmm. he's going to play on Sunday. He's going to line up at right tackle. Uh, you know, in the off season he became the highest paid right tackle in the league mm-hmm. with a monster contract. Uh, so he, you know he's good. He's got talent. But how long they can count on him for is still up in the air because it's really strange how the league hasn't ruled on this suspension yet. I mean, he's That's facing ten a a game suspension. Very mm-hmm. very odd. And and even Lane kind of hinted earlier in the week that even if a suspension comes down in the next few days or, or next week, that there's a chance he could appeal and then that buys mm-hmm. him another three or four weeks. So now you're looking into October. Mm-hmm. He's still your starting right tackle. Meanwhile, the kid that they drafted in the third round, this kid Isaac Siamalu out of Oregon State, they like him. He's kind of developing, learning how to play the line, and then if Lane does get suspended, and I say if, uh, you know, a few weeks ago I would have said when, but we just don't know now. Um, mm-hmm. But if or when Lane Johnson gets suspended, Ciamalo can plug in at left guard. They can move their left guard, Alan Barber, out to the right tackle spot where Lane plays. It's not your best offensive line because Lane's not in there, but it's, it's a very serviceable offensive line. Uh, and, of course, that's going to be important to keep Carson Wentz upright and healthy uh, mm-hmm. as the 16-game season unfolds.
1: Yeah, I, that's a great point, and talking about the NFL drug policy and and all of that is uh, way beyond the scope of what we can do because I know you, you're going to have to go. And I do want to ask you, because we talk about fantasy football, I want to ask you about the wide receivers and the running backs. But you make a great point, and I, and I certainly hope that when the renegotiations come up and when the, the drug policy is looked at again, that there will be provisions for a uh, timely resolution of these things, because not only does it impact the player individually, but it impacts the team so greatly, you know, not knowing here they are preparing for, for week one, and they don't even know, you know, they certainly, in my opinion, cannot suspend Lane Johnson right now again. And, it, that game is upcoming like that. That would, to me, would be wow. like the worst thing. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, it would seem pretty unfair. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, this should have been resolved. I agree. They should, they, they need quicker resolutions. I mean, this should have been resolved weeks ago when it first came mm-hmm. out. Um, not now. Here we are on the brink of the season starting mm-hmm. because now at any point when that suspension comes down, it's going to be, you know, all of a sudden you're going to have to readjust and, uh, yeah. You know, I think there's a bunch of things they have to revisit. I think the marijuana issue and the suspensions yeah. regarding that. You know, it's legal now in a few states, and yeah. uh, you know, there's some sort of things they need to address uh, yeah. in the next collective bargaining agreement.
3: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Um, real quick, the wide receivers, DGB. Um, you were so kind to send me that video. How is he looking? <laughs> sounds like he's going to be. Um, it certainly sounds like there's some discussion. He might not make the roster, but. Uh, give no, us, he's, give awesome. us your, he's Yeah. yeah. Give us give us your he, scouting he, yeah. report on him.
0: Sure, sure. I, you know, it's 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 you know me and some other uh, you know colleagues that cover the team. We we talk about all the time. You know, you say you like the trade, getting Kelly for DGB, who may have been cut. Mm-hmm. But up here in Philadelphia, we scratch our heads like, how could the Titans give up a 23 year old <laughs> kid with this kind of ability? You know, who who's a basketball player really playing football? You know, that he mm-hmm. caught that touchdown pass against the Colts. On a fade pattern. I mean, that's just going to be a big part of this offense. Is that fade pattern? Once they get in the red zone, they're going to take at least one shot at DGB. And uh, I, I think the Eagles are not trying to overwhelm him with too much information because, like you said, he's got the history of being lackadaisical. You know, maybe not giving the full effort all the time. But you know, I, I think that maybe he looks at like this as a wake-up call. This trade. Uh, I, hope I know the so. players. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Matthews is on this team. Him and Jordan Matthews, who's from Vanderbilt, uh, you know, they worked out uh, a lot this offseason and this in the season before that. So they're friends. Uh, Jordan's a quality guy and just a yeah. great guy. I think, you know, Local I think kid with a, the
1: Vanderbilt. Yeah,
0: Vanderbilt kid. Great, very bright kid. I think he had a, mm-hmm. has a future in this league after football, doing whatever he wants to do, you know, an NFLPA or in the commissioner's office. But I just think he's that kind of kid. Um, but, but you know, him and DGP have, have kind of hit it off. Uh, mm. So, Jordan's taking him under his wing. I, and I think the Eagles just aren't trying to overwhelm him because of that history of lackadaisical play, mm-hmm. not 100% effort. So, they're taking it slow with him. But there's going to be packages uh, for him in the mm-hmm. offense. And uh, I, I think he's going to I think he's going to have a pretty
1: nice year, to be honest. I, I think you can couch Win for um win 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 <laughs> for everyone. Yeah. I think that it was a win for DGB. The Titans are are trying to remake their locker room, and um you know maybe there were some elements to that locker room that that weren't um going you know that weren't uh, steering him you know in mm-hmm. in that right direction, and he needed a change of, of scenery, and and they want to bring in the Titans, being they want to bring in the guys that um their guys because it's a new regime new gm new coaching staff and there was mm-hmm. a, a, a certainly a, a strong indication that dgb wasn't always on the same page with mike malarkey who um, had issued him some very clear directives and uh, he's still turned up to training camp out of shape and, and under condition. So, it, you know, it can be, I, I think, a good thing for for everyone involved, and I'm glad to hear that hopefully, you know, he, he will get straightened out. I love Jordan Matthews. Great to hear that. Zach Ertz, is he going to be a big part of that offense?
0: Yeah, I think that's the plan. Uh, you know, he was a big part of it last year. He only had, uh, I think it was one or two touchdown catches. I think they want to kind of up that a little bit, but uh, use him a little more in the in the red zone. But, you know, he did have 75 catches for, you know, over 800 yards last year. That's a pretty darn good year for a tight end. So, you know, I don't know if he'll hit 1,000 yards or anything like that, but I think what you might see from Ertz is his touchdown totals will increase, um, which I think they're going to need. But, you know, like I said, DGB can uh, be a weapon in the red zone. I think Jordan Matthews has had eight touchdowns in his first two years in this league, you know, eight as a rookie and then eight last year. So he's got 16 touchdowns. That guy can find the end zone. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that's going to be a part of that red zone too. And, uh, yeah, you know, and then you look at the running backs, you know, you talk about fantasy football. Darren Sproles, I think, would be a great yeah. pickup for somebody. He's going to be I, I've got him all over
1: the place. <laughs> that's why I was just getting ready to ask you because uh, – and before we turn there, I want just real quick, Brent Selick, is he going to have a role in this offense or is he the, just the blocking guy?
0: Well, the Eagles love Prince Krenzelik. They love everything about him. You know, off the field, just a great leader in the locker room. I love him, yeah. Yeah, 10th-year pl- player. Uh, you know, whether, you know, offensively, production-wise, I, I don't know. I-, I, You know, he'll catch some passes. I don't think he's going to be a big part of what so they want to do offensively. So he's just going to play that vulture
1: role, right? He's, he's going to be a yeah. vulture. Yeah, yeah okay. that's a
0: good a good description for it. But, you know, the Eagles are going to use a lot of 3 tight end sets, and they're going to run the yeah. ball out of that. So another guy to keep an eye on is is kind of the unforgotten tight end in Philadelphia is Trey Burton. Trey Burton. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I think uh, they're going to try to find ways to get the ball in his hands, too. So I, I can't tell you how many pass, uh, catches he's going to have or touchdowns, but he's going to be involved in the offense, and he's a pretty good uh, pass catcher. All
1: right, I'm talking with Ed Kratz. Uh, Great guy, covers Philly sports. Uh, real quick, the, we, we sort of touched on this, the running back situation. Reports out of camp were that Darren Sproles, were, he was uh, – oh, I love old man football, listen. But he was the best running back uh, of the group. Ryan Matthews, obviously, still some injury concerns with him, given his history. Um, and you just since you just mentioned him, I have Darren Sproles in probably three or four leagues.
0: <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, he's he's not gonna he's not really your traditional running back type. I mean he qualifies I guess in fantasy as a running back, but you know, they're not gonna give him the ball a whole bunch to run it. they're mm-hmm. gonna use him a lot out of the slot, they're gonna put him in motion, they're gonna run him on wheel routes because good luck to a linebacker that has to cover him. <laughs> that guy's just, yeah. yeah, he's a he's a water bug. But yeah. uh you know, he's he's a he's a great kid and a guy they like in the locker room. they extended his contract uh past this year, so they they love him. They're going to use him. Peterson's talked about it. Kind of, he he really didn't get a lot of work in the preseason because you know he is 33 years old. They want to right. kind of preserve him. And
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: but but he's just a guy that when you know when game day gets here, boy, he answers the call. He's going to return punts. Yeah. He's
1: probably that's what I was going to ask you. It sounds like yeah. he's still got that role too, which is amazing. Yeah. He's like the Leon Washington. You know, I remember yeah. the days of Leon Washington, and that was still getting it done at 33 and yeah. 34.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I, I love watching Spoles when he gets the ball because he just can accelerate. He can go from zero to 60 like like a sports car. Well, I've never owned one of those, but, you know, he can get from zero to 60 yeah. in a hurry. And, and he just is so fast and he's so low to the ground and the way he just, you know, darts and cuts around, he's just fun to watch. So he's still getting it done in the kick game. I think you can pencil him in for at least one punt return for a touchdown this year.
1: Is, is Ken John Barner going to get any touches? And how many uh, touches per game do you think Ryan Matthews will get?
0: Well, Matthews is going to be their, the guy, the starter. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned the injury history. <laughs> Excuse me. With yeah. and, and and really, it's just because the way he runs, he's so physical. You know, he'll, mm-hmm. he'll try and run you over, he'll hit you. Uh, he's not one to cut out of bounds. So that's kind of what leads to his injuries, it's just he's a very punishing runner. But. Uh, He's going to be the guy, and if he can stay healthy, I think he could have a 1,000-yard season in him. Uh, In order to keep him healthy, yeah, I think Kenyon Barner will get some touches. Uh, You know, I like everything about Barner's game. I don't think he's as good of a receiver out of the backfield as they would like, but he's a very good blocker. Uh, He's another hard-nosed runner. Uh, So, yeah, he's going to get some touches for sure. And then they have this rookie. Uh, I'm not sure he'll be active on game days early on, but someone they're pretty high on out of West Virginia, uh, Wendell Smallwood. Uh, What's a, what about his brown.
1: injury? How's his injury well, come along?
0: Well, he had a quad injury uh, through most of the training camp, and then uh, when they were set to give him plenty of touches in the preseason finale against the Jets, because he missed the first three games with right. the quad, he got, he got a concussion early. Ugh. So we only you know, only had a handful of touches in that final game against the Jets, so you know, kind of he's the wild card me mm-hmm. through the OTAs in the spring and, and before he got hurt in training camp, the kid shows in a great ability to catch the ball, uh, which they really like um, obviously because they're going to use the running backs in the pass game a lot, uh,
3: mm-hmm. but he has
0: the ability to catch the ball you know now it's a concern, can he stay healthy if they run him too much, mm-hmm. you know, he yeah. hasn't shown that he can, so you know, we're going to find out about him uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, but I, I'm not sure they'll activate him on game days quite
1: yet All right, one final thing. I love Doug Peterson. Um, Good luck to to Coach Peterson and the Eagles this year. What are the expectations? What do you think? Um, How many games do you think they should be expected to win?
0: Yeah, well, it's kind of weird here in Philly because everybody's got very low expectations in terms of wins and losses, but everybody loves Carson Wentz. So uh, I think they're going to have to do it with a defense that's coordinated by Jim Schwartz. You know, of course, he was in Tennessee there for a yep. long time as the D coordinator. Yeah, love
1: Coach Schwartz. Uh, yeah,
0: boy, he's a real, uh, you know, he's a real stickler, He's a firebrand, you know.
1: isn't he?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Yes, he is. He uh, still listen to you know? heavy metal. I don't know. I'll ask him. I, I he don't know. You should Yeah, he's I, a I he's a
1: metalhead.
0: I, okay, good to know. Anything else you can tell me that I can kind
1: of get a little share bit? better not share anything on the record. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, I understand. Yeah, he's going to talk tomorrow. The coordinators talk tomorrow. But, yeah, the defense is what's going to have to kind of be the hallmark of this team. And, yeah. you know, hopefully Wentz can kind of, uh, you know, they're going to control, try to control the clock, I think, with that yeah. run game and the short passing game and uh, try to keep Wentz upright. Uh, yeah. So I think expectations, wins, and losses, I don't think anybody uh, in the media anyway is looking at anything, you know, more than seven, eight wins mm-hmm. at most. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, you got a rookie head coach or rookie quarterback, you know, not a lot of success along those lines. I know back in 2012, the Colts did it with Chuck Pagano and Andrew Luck, both rookie, rookies, and, you know, they won 11-5, and five, finished behind, I think, Houston. Uh, but they made the playoffs. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, you know, I, I, it's
1: hard to predict anything more than 7-8 wins. It really is. Uh, Since you mentioned yeah. it, I hope I hope you'll forgive me for keeping you one minute longer. I wanted to ask you about this. Mentioned it. Fletcher Cox, the new, the return to the four-three defense. You know they experimented yeah. with the um, yeah. three-four. How big a year is that guy going to have?
0: Big, big. I yeah. just saw uh, odds out of uh, bravada released really some odds out of Vegas. Eight and a half sacks
3: wow. is what
0: the uh, over/under is. So I, okay. I'm thinking the over. I think Schwartz is going to find a way to get him. You know they're going to line him inside, outside, and you know that guy's just a—he's a
3: handful to block. And, yeah.
0: You know if he, I'm if excited. He gets in it, yeah, yeah. I mean, he'll get double teamed, but he's, he can defeat double teams, and if he doesn't, then that's going to open it up for someone like Benny Logan, mm-hmm. who's kind of an unheralded guy on that defensive line. And, you know, of course, you have your pass rushing ends and Connor Barwin has been doing this a long time. And mm-hmm. uh, Brandon Graham and Vinny Curry, I think they're going to get after the quarterback, and Schwartz is going to find a way to have this team probably in the top three to five in the league in mm-hmm. sacks by the end of the year. And, Cox is going to be a huge part of that.
1: Yeah, I I really like the former uh, defensive coordinator, but I love me some Jimmy Schwartz, and I hope that <laughs> um, he has a successful year. And it was such a pleasure. I kept you too long. Tell everybody out there where they can find your work and find you especially on social media.
0: Uh, well, see, my Twitter account is uh, at K-R-A-C-Z-A-T-E. kracze. is my Twitter handle. And if you want to check the Eagles system, you know, we have a bunch of different websites, but the easiest to remember is uh, the with 2 L's, com, and then you can, you know, hit backslash sports, backslash eagles, and it will show you all the Eagles stuff. So
1: Awesome. Um, we'll, we'll tweet all those, out, the, all those links okay. out. Thanks again. Have a great day. Uh,
0: my pleasure, Sharona. Thank you.
1: All right. That was Ed Kratz who covers silly sports. Um, great chatting with him. I'm excited to see what Jim Swartz does. Uh, very underrated guy here with um with tennessee great defensive coordinator of course had the the rather unsuccessful stint with um well i mean overall i think his detroit lions years i mean he he certainly brought them back to um back to life and had had a year or two of, of winning seasons, but it's going to be, I think, fun to watch that defense. Um, he did a great job in, in Buffalo. And I think um, ultimately he'll end up getting another opportunity to coach, um, you know, the, the, the top position, another head coach gig, you know, he's a young guy and um, I'm sure that he learned a lot from, from the, the situation in, in Detroit and, uh, yeah, I'm pulling for them. It's going to be interesting to see how the Eagles um, situation does. So, all right, so that's it. We went a little longer than an hour and a half. That's it for today. You have been listening to Back Talk with Sharona. Shout out to my buddy, Matt, as always, uh, for the chopping it up segment and to Ed Kratz, who joined me in that last segment, to give us his scouting report on DeMarco Murray. And uh, I think I... Uh, said his name wrong Mr. Kelly the offensive lineman and how DGB is doing in Philly and we certainly wish him uh, the best we wish him well and, and um, you know his new uh, in his new home and um, to you our listeners thank you for listening we will be back on Friday as we mentioned with that big super show I'll be sitting down tomorrow and recording that po- podcast with my buddies at beer barbecue and football and Um, also with Andy Carlson at Purple for the Win. We'll be previewing the upcoming Titans-Vikings matchup and how that – I'm I'm very curious to get his thoughts on the trade, too, with Sam Bradford and the situation with Teddy Bridgewater and how these two teams are going to match up. Big fan of Mike Zimmer, um, Coach Zim, and I I know that Minnesota is happy to have him and – um, my, my heart's going to be torn a little bit this weekend because, you know, I do have mad love for coach Zimmer and I'm very excited to see this game in person. So I'm um, looking forward to that chat. And of course, with my buddies at uh seven Yahoo sports in the morning, uh talk back live talking about the Titans and the NFL tonight going for two, uh, uh, tune into that 8 PM Eastern time, our last show via Google Hangout, and we'll pour one out for, for Google Hangouts and talk about um, our fantasy draft this past weekend, which was a lot of fun. I get a ton of grief for drafting Titans players, but, you know, listen, no regrets. I do not care. Um, it's been – it's kind of exciting. You know, it's been a few years since you've been able to really draft any Titans players, besides, of course. Um, my main man Delaney Walker my boo my fantasy boo Delaney Walker who um, is always such a pleasure to watch and so um, we'll be talking about that and and a lot more stuff so tune in to that 8 o'clock p.m. and then of course on Friday again Andy Carlson and uh, Lisa London and Jeff Lloyd joining me and we'll pl- replay that uh, Purple for the Wind segment. Uh, That's it for today. Thank you for listening. I hope that you have a great, great Monday, and we'll be back again on Friday, 10 o'clock a.m. Central Time, with another episode of That Talk with Sharona. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sports by Sharona, and if you want to be a guest on the show, hey, hit me up.
3: Beyond the horizon of the place we live.
0: 18 plus.
3: next time.